Welcome to episode 243 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat about water scarcity, natural resources, and design. Now, the reason why we're uh, particularly interested about this topic, which, you know, of course, is uh, rising in importance, you know, as as climate change makes uh, uh, potable water more difficult to come by for, you know, some some regions. Um, but in particular, uh, Cape Town, South Africa is is uh, uh, undergoing uh some real difficulty right now in terms of uh, having a, a, a water shortage, which is uh, getting very close to a crisis level. So as far as I understand it, Cape Town's been going through a drought for the past couple of years. And this is coincided with a, uh, uh, you know, this, this climate event, this, this drought, which is uh, more like a, a hundred year drought right it's it's not supposed to happen uh, uh, in the, in the, in the same duration and and sort of uh, uh, time as as it does so so this extreme event which is uh, you know the equivalent of, of a hundred year drought is uh, going on for for multiple years now just as an example of how uh, climate change is making um, making extreme events, extreme weather events, um, happen more frequently. Uh, so, just as an aside, the uh, uh, the drought that's affecting Cape Town uh, is is causing um, severe uh, water shortage, as you might expect. And residents there are, of course, cutting water usage in every way they possibly can. So, as you might expect, um, they're reusing water. Uh, so, water for, that's uh, initially used in the shower uh, might be used to uh, water plants or to flush toilets or to do things like that. And uh, authorities in Cape Town have warned that the city's just a few months away from having to shut off its taps completely, uh, which has been um, titled, uh, you know, this event has been titled uh, Day Zero. So on Day Zero, uh, Cape Town is going to shut off uh, its public water supply, its, uh, its taps. And uh, in order to prevent this, uh, the authorities have told residents they can use 13.2 gallons of drinking water a day. Uh, and this is so they can prevent this day zero from happening. Uh, so uh, as a way of comparison, um, in America, the average consumer uh, uses about 100 gallons of water a day. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, so this is, you know, uh, in comparison to what we're what we're used to using this um 13.2 gallons is is a massive uh, uh massive cut um and the plan at day zero if it does arrive is that um is that people would have to go to special collection points which would have security 
and uh, they would be rationed about half of that. Um, so it's it would go down to six point six gallons. Uh, so we're we're of, sort of, of on the on the edge of a Kevin Costner movie here, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would think so. It's um, it's it's surprising because. Um, uh, you know, Cape Town would, if this does happen, I think if it does happen, it will be in April sometime. Um, this is, you know, this is, I think, the second largest city in in South Africa. Um, and it's, uh, you know, this is a major, um, this is a major problem. And this, this is a major city. So they're not going to have a running water, which is uh, sort of one of the, the staples of modern life. And I think it, it, it raises the specter of this uh, water shortage happening elsewhere. So we have uh, some water shortages here in the Northeast, uh, in Massachusetts, for instance, and we have certain water restrictions, um, but certainly nothing of the order of magnitude that uh, we're describing here for uh, for Cape Town. Uh, so, so I'm I'm raising all of this because um, this is sort of the new reality of of water scarcity, and there have been been lots of interesting articles written about how how water is sort of the next um, most important uh, commodity that that people are going to be struggling to to get more of I don't know whether that's true or not but but I do know that there are all kinds of design considerations that we're really going to have to start taking seriously uh, as we try to um, limit our use of this precious resource because after all uh, our bodies are what two-thirds water um, it's something that we can't live without uh, so, so yeah, I know there's a Star Trek episode where we were referred to as giant bags of water so yes yeah. I, I, I love that that's uh, um, is that the original <laughs> Star Trek I think it might be I think it was next gen I think it was an early episode of next gen okay yeah I, I, I remember that that's a uh, uh, that's a classic line, I think. But, but yeah, it's Dirk. Like, what? How does this strike you? I mean, here's here's a a major city, uh, in, you know, in in South Africa that is, you know, likely not to have running water in April. How does how does that strike you? Oh, well, it strikes me in a lot of ways. I mean, one, of course, is its tragedy. Um, you know, uh, there will be people almost certainly if this comes to pass who will die as a result uh there certainly will be a lot of people whose quality of life will be severely diminished perhaps for a long period of time um i i, I feel a tremendous amount of empathy for the people in, in cape town that's that's part of how it strikes me another way is it really sort of reaffirms what bad planners humans are in general how short-term we are in our thinking and how we can't see catastrophe until it's it's basically too late. Um, you know, this is a problem that technology can address. I mean, um, you know, Israel for a number of years has invested significantly in desalination. Um, they have developed technology, or I, I don't know if it was actually Israeli developed technology. It may have been, uh, but may not have been, to desalinate seawater. Um, as of today, more than half of the water, the fresh water used by uh, in the 
the the nation of Israel is water that is seawater that was desalinated. So the technology exists and it's existed for some years. You know, the Soric desalination plant, um, which is the the primary one in in Israel that's making this happen, uh, has been around since 2013. So. Um, it's recent, but it's not like, you know, this is just new 2017, 2018 technology. Um, it's, it's something that as, a, as a country that they've attempted to address and they've done it in a way that, that works. It's, it's, it's an interesting model. It's one that can actually make money, um, at least for how they're doing it in Israel, which makes it a real success because it's not just something that's subsidized. It's something that, um, in the context of what water, um, costs, um, this this is a replacement. It's a viable financial replacement that can make sense. Now, I, I wish we had an expert on the show to talk about this. I'm not an expert in these spaces. Um, you know, given that sorek has been around for five years now and operational, there must be even newer technologies. So, uh, water scarcity is today one of the biggest things facing uh, w- one of the biggest threats to individual human life on our planet in the decades ahead. And but most of the earth is seawater, which through processes that we already understand and have been able to harness can be um, converted into the water that is is potable or you said potable. I don't know what the right pronunciation is. I've only seen it, I've only seen it written, not spoken. So um, one of us is, is wrong. And I don't it was care. probably me. <laughs> Who the hell knows? But um, potable, potable. Um, so that it, it's I think this is very solvable through technology. I think it's already been solved in in specific cases um, that are implemented, starting with Israel. I'm not I'm not familiar with other places because I haven't studied this area very much. Um, but it's very it's doubly sad for Cape Town and for other places that down the line are facing these catastrophes that there is not, you know, civic action and sort of national foresight that leads to taking steps to to avoid this kind of a catastrophe. Yeah, I think there's uh, some some interesting um, factors, some 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 interesting uh, aspects of of this problem. Uh, number number one, uh, water is. Um, or, or at least water availability can be a largely local problem, right? So, um, which makes a solution like desalination uh, possible if you're, you know, by the, uh, uh, you know, large body of water, you know, oceanside, uh, what have you, and you have uh, access and transportation for that water. Um, At the same time, it's not a commodity like, uh, say, oil, where you can ship it across the planet, right? And what, you know, why would you, right? Um, uh, You wouldn't desalinate it today, right? it, you, you probably wouldn't uh, desalinate water in, in one spot and then and then ship it, uh, say, to the middle of the country. Um, at the same time, because it's sort of a localized uh, phenomenon, there are things that um, we can do to uh, mitigate some of uh, uh, some of the you know water shortage uh, through. Uh, human behavior change, right? So, so you can see those policies go into place uh, uh, here in the Northeast when we have a particularly dry summer, say. So things like uh, not watering your your garden or your lawn, or not uh, topping off your pool, not 
um, uh, not watering during the daytime, things like that become uh, finable offenses if you're, you know, caught doing that by the town uh, at your, uh, you know, level one restriction. And level two means that you can't uh, do any of those things and everybody's lawns turn brown and then you start seeing the reservoir um, levels go down, etc. There are things like collecting your rainwater, of course, uh, that you can uh, use to to uh, water your gardens or what have you. Um, things like using less water in the shower. Um, uh, the these are you know just they seem like like little things, um, but you know I. I mean, I know I'm guilty of, of, of just sort of standing in the shower thinking, right? So uh, taking a 15-minute shower when nine minutes would have, would have done just as well. Um, and, and I think that that kind of behavior is, uh, can be difficult to change uh, if you don't have some external uh, stimulus. Um, so there are a uh, a set of products that you can you know either put in your shower uh say you know there's all those eco shower heads you can have uh less less water usage in your shower there's things you can put in the drain so uh that would measure the amount of uh of water you're using per shower and sort of make you feel guilty if you're using more than x number of gallons um little things like this um, actually do add up over time Um, and and what strikes me as interesting is that ultimately we're we're very much going to have to become uh, more conscientious about how we're using this resource Um, and i think this is sort of a, a a vastly different attitude from uh the one that I grew up with where um, I don't think conservation really was on my mind at all, um, uh, you know, at least during my, my childhood years. Uh, it, it feels to me like there's been a huge shift in um, uh, just the attitude towards how we're using natural resources, whether or not this, this shift in attitude has come too late. Um, uh, you know, we can only sort of wait and see. Um, but, but it, it strikes me that, that this is, uh, at least culturally, um, it's, it's not only becoming more acceptable now. I mean, I, I think we're actually going to have to, to do these things if, if we think we're going to have, uh, sort of, uh, modern lifestyle maintained, uh, going forward, uh, otherwise, I, I suspect we're 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 gonna run out of uh, uh, run out of options sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, conservation is is always a good thing, um, but I do think I, I don't think we should be wasteful with water. But um, the technology already exists to address this problem, and it will only become more affordable and more scalable as time passes. So. Sure, like rock on conservation. Um, I try and conserve myself. And this isn't something, this isn't a problem that requires conservation 
to solve, it can be solved in other other ways as as well, which is good because humans aren't good at conservation. Yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, just speaking from personal experience, it's very hard to change um, the way you use um, water. In fact, uh, if there's a a power outage or some some reason that uh, the regular water supply is not um, available for for some reason i always suddenly feel like i'm camping or something like if i have to uh um i don't know flush a toilet using a a bucket of water instead of uh you know instead of the flush or if i'm uh heating up water in a pot on the stove as opposed to just having it come out of the tap um i i think we really sort of take these uh these con- uh, modern conveniences for granted um and it, and it, and it always uh, at at least to me it it always seems uh like like uh some kind of hardship if i'm doing these things when uh when in fact it's probably uh uh i'm probably being more responsible uh with my water usage in those moments so back to what you were saying, Dirk, about water desalination um, being, you know, pioneered by uh, uh, countries in the Middle East, especially Israel. Uh, I, I think that uh, Kuwait, in fact, um, 100% of their water usage in that country is uh, desalinated water. Um, so, well, yeah. To, yeah, that's fantastic. So... I, I I do um, I do think that that that's probably going to be uh, the solution at least to to part of the uh, uh, the water shortage crisis that um, you know is is only developing more and more um, to to sort of uh, wrap this uh, wrap this point up um, and and to get back to the the original topic. I think that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on uh, on the the crisis in Cape Town and and see uh, what the outcomes are there. Uh, but we can only hope that uh, uh, that they're able to make it without uh, uh, reaching that day zero where they turn off the uh, uh, the taps in that city. Uh, I hope that doesn't come to pass. Certainly, listeners. Remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life. And go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 243 of The Digital Life.
For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.